this episode, I will come up with the phrase dichromatic scale, when in fact I mean the double harmonic scale, which among other names is called the Byzantine scale. The scale involves a minor second, major third, perfect fourth and fifth, minor sixth, and major seventh, and you recognize it from Miserlou and Hans Zimmer's score for Dune. Also in this episode, I will stupidly conjecture that the music in Dalam uses the same scale, which it clearly does not. Dalam's music is based on the pentatonic scale, which only uses five notes and has none of the half-step to minor third movement that makes the double harmonic scale so unmistakable. A dichromatic scale, according to internet, is when you have a color scale that goes from one intense color up to a neutral color and then up to another intense color, like when you use conditional formatting on Google Sheets and it goes from red to white to green so that the strongest data points on either end stand out from the unremarkable middling data points. But that is not a musical term, and this is the third strongest podcast. So this is the second choice that you could make in the video game yes. earthbound pod your own adventure uh, the, the timelines collapse or no the timelines i don't know at what point the timelines actually collapse this at is some a different point we timeline. will have to go back to the previous episode if you've skipped if you've skipped it yeah but yeah not necessarily yet guys if if you played rpgs how common is it for RPGs of this vintage anyway to have critical path like dungeons and quests you need to do but that the game will let you do whenever you want up to basically the end of the game I can't think of any but I do have a bad memory for these things I'm thinking very hard and kind of coming up empty um the only examples I'm thinking of are things that end up just being optional dungeons. And like yeah. nonlinear segments where the game specifically becomes nonlinear. Um, I keep gesturing at Final Fantasy VI where that's a game in the back third. Uh, you just get an airship and can go collect people again in mm-hmm. any order you feel like. Um, but as far uh, as like... But this, if this isn't really like that though. Yeah. No, not at all. This is just... Yeah, you can leave them behind. There are side goals you have to go do. It's like if you played Pokemon and didn't do any of the gyms until the end mm. of the game. Wow. But you can't it, do that. It really makes me wonder... Yeah, you wouldn't be able to use the HMs to your progress. Pokemon would be rebellious. <laughs> like Charizard. Um, in this era of games the idea of a single linear path is just the baseline assumption for earthbound to have this weird jag of dungeons that you're supposed to do you're basically supposed to do them when we do them but you can forget to do them i don't know it 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 what was the thought process there? Because they could mm. very easily have said, like, figured it out so you can't go to Scaraba until you do that stuff, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's almost as if they were too lazy to come up with, to c- construct a reason hmm. and said, well, let them do it in whatever they want. We don't care. Well, it kind of goes along with the way I think about your sanctuaries, which is 
it's something that you find by chance. It's not it's not like mm. your uh, your goal is to find this this special rock or something. It's like you're in the middle of something, you're sightseeing or you're on a mission of some kind, and then you sort of stumble upon this out of the way place that's very magical. And it seems like if, if it was part of the linear progression of the story or the, the missions of this game, it would be a different feeling. It wouldn't feel as much like happenstance. You solved it. <laughs> okay, great. Good, good job. Well, then we can play the rest of the game. And where did we leave off? Oh, so we need to go to Scarapa. The yeah. hieroglyph said we need to go to Scarapa. And in fact, all that action we did with the um, the magic cake, um, we got that lady out of the Stoic Club so that we could convince her husband to let us take a trip on his boat, right? We already yeah. knew that we wanted to go to yes. Scaraba. We need but another... Now we have- kind of transportation to move the game forward mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's a road trip game and yeah. today the road is the swan rod or Hualrad. the ocean ah so we can go talk to the sea captain uh who has uh very excited that his wife is now like talking to him again mm-hmm. and offers to take you to Scaraba, but front loads the fact that there's a dangerous kraken on the way there. But he says, that's not a big deal for you guys like you. Um, He has the, I know I say there's a lot of incredible lines in this game, but this is maybe well, the most yes. incredible line in the no, game. No, I'm so glad you're bringing this one up. Yep. Yep. He says, after all, it could only cost you your life, and you got that for free. So good. That's like, for an eight-year-old playing this game, that's a revelation of a life philosophy. (laughs) It's got that, like, verse-like cadence to it, but also is, like, folksy enough that a sea captain saying it is, like, accurate. Yeah. There's, there's, There's wisdom here. I like this character who says things like this. He's, he says, if you're courageous, get on this boat. You'll probably see the Kraken and experience getting seasick, exclamation point, which is <laughs> like, cool. After all, it could only cost you your life and you got that for free. It's so, it and makes this, it sound very exciting and, and daring. It's in the context of this guy being the same guy who's like, I can't w- relate to my wife anymore. Yeah. All she does is hang out at the Stoic Club and philosophize. Yeah. Is our relationship over? So this is a fantastic guy. Yeah. He's feeling so much better now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I actually found myself saying that line recently after I played this part, just in another context. It's a great line. <laughs> <laughs> so we get so, on the boat, right? Get on the boat. Get oh, on yeah. the boat. And then we enter a different game momentarily. Uh, mm. We get to listen to There's a lot of coolest music in the game. And here's some <laughs> of the coolest music in the game. I, that they, again, set aside for these uh, yeah. travel sequences. I, I have a weird thing with this song specifically. Where 
as a teen, uh, me and my friend of mine listened to a lot of, uh, video game remixes off of, like, OC Remix and other hmm. websites of that vintage that no longer exist. Um, OC Remix doesn't exist? No, OC oh, Remix exists, but, like, there was VG Mix and, like, several different iterations of VG Mix that I don't think no longer exist. Um... I think that was a Jake Kaufman joint. Now he does, like, professional soundtracks. Anyways, um... This song, there was a remix of a song that my buddy would play, and I'm like, this is the Scarab song. This is the traveling to Scarab song. And he would always be like, no, this is Starlight Zone from Sonic the Hedgehog the First. <laughs> uh, and so, like, ultimately he's correct, but both the songs have just, it's, you, you ever have a song where one song is just, just similar enough to another song that you get a little like, wait a second. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, both those songs are, like, similar in my head. Anyways, um, we get this good song, this good traveling song. Uh, we enter an overworld. <laughs> Briefly. Remember in, um, no, I don't want to spoil the best joke in that game, never mind. Fair enough. Uh, I'm obsessed with the fact that we get True this- Doom murderheads know what game I'm talking about, and they can enjoy that reference privately. <laughs> yeah, I'm obsessed yes, with... Yes, Zach? I, I, I'm trying to say that I'm obsessed with this tiny snippet of overworld that we suddenly get, where the game scales back and the boat's a really tiny sprite, and there are, like, land masses with castles on them. Mm. Or, like, stone buildings, not castles, but, like, and little volcanoes. The volcanoes. Like, for a brief moment, the game becomes Dragon Quest, and I'm like, <laughs> that's wild. It makes everything feel like smaller than it was like to you're get part to of a the bigger world yeah to get to the next thing you have to like become an rpg for a second <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and anyway. this is very also very different from the other travel scenes because you have somebody talking your ear off the whole time usually it's like wow the beauty of nature or like this you know this this creature that i'm standing on the back of or something but this time yeah. you just have a guy talking to you <laughs> Just chatting. It occurs to me that when we talk about Earthbound as the game that takes place in suburbia and it's about, you know, typical American kids and like th this game is a parody of America, th that characterization of the game is only really talking about the first half of the game mm. and the game has a much grander scope, but because it's so well paced, um, the what what seems like a separate game or the game kind of losing the track is really about well, no, we're we're expanding the the we're pulling back the lens so that the game that started out in your backyard is now encompassing the mediterranean sea mm. i don't know it would I, like it would be interesting to hear a statement about what the intention was if if it was a matter of i wanted to make a game where you start out in this very local thing and the scope gets bigger and bigger and bigger or it, it might be a matter of 
I wanted to make a game about this, and then I put in all the other ideas I had. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you could look at Earthbound Beginnings, the first game, and how it ne- its scope never really gets past the idea of just getting to the big city. Like the last mm. one of the last places you get to is just it's L.A. It's literally like Los Angeles. Mm. Um, and that's as far as that game's scope goes. But and then with Mother Two, you have you do that, but that's the first half of the game. Yeah, yeah. And now it's like we have to go beyond what we did before. We have to outdo ourselves. Yeah, yeah. You have to go to the moon. <laughs> you got me thinking about the moon. Whoops. Mm-hmm. The uh, the the kraken shows up in the sea, and perhaps the whole point of this, like it could be just uh, uh, the regular sized boat sprite going past stuff for this whole sequence. Perhaps the reason they had it be tiny was so that you could have this huge kraken sprite attacking the ship. Yeah, because uh, it ends up looking ginormous. And then you have the fight with the Kraken, which is they play up as being something scary, something that's going to be a big boss fight. Yeah. And indeed, it is tough. Although I... If you haven't gone to those two dungeons yet and you haven't leveled up as much. I specifically did the, um, the first of those two dungeons and then took the trip on the boat so that I could see a special line of dialogue Mm. that I think comes after the Kraken, but it's just like, as the captain is recovering, he says, huh, what kind of bunny would want to eat that carrot? Ha 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 And I, it's supposed to be a hint, I guess Mm -hmm. it's very strange. So then you also had the experience where, um, you get to hear, this new boss fight song here first then um there is a boss fight song in this game that the copy of the soundtrack i have calls kraken of the sea um yeah. that is also used in the th- in the thunder and storm fight and then a couple mm, i see fights here and there um is it used for electrospector not to spoil things i believe so okay um but it's been a while since i fought electrospector uh this is maybe the best boss fight song in the game yeah, or just, like, the best fight song in the game this is a classic classic tune um love i it. don't think about this as much as you do so i'm gonna like pull it up now and listen to it and see whether you're right i wonder if zach's opinion is actually good hold on i hope it is but yeah I'm it is checking it is. to see whether your opinion has any validity Oh, <laughs> yeah, that one. It's yeah. this one. It's really good. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's yeah. really good. <laughs> and this is like the 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 fight that names the song on whatever soundtrack is out there for people to find. Yeah, I would like to know who named these tracks. I That's tried looking into Why that. Is, We've come up, we've wondered called... that a couple of times, and I tried looking yeah. into it, and I couldn't figure anything out. It's not like the original Japanese uh, titles translated, I don't think. Um, did Name we by... talk about this 
when we were at Jackie's Cafe where the name of the track is Boris's Cocktail. <laughs> I don't think I that came up. That was it. Yeah. Okay, that's um, a diagnostic detail, but hmm. can't uh, can't really get into it now. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about actually fight. fighting the Kraken? Yeah. The Kraken will breathe fire at you, which is cool. I noticed, or like I was, it was explained to me just recently that when an enemy uses a fire attack that's not PSI fire, it like gets processed as PSI fire. Like at some level, it just is PSI fire, only the enemy isn't using PP. Um, and so that's like, that's why when the scalding coffee cup spills a bunch of coffee it affects everybody in your party oh. <laughs> because because psi fire applies to a row of foes huh. um, the scalding coffee has to spread out to attack everybody <laughs> and because your party stands directly in a row yeah, yeah. It seems like an oversight probably space yourselves out mm. a little better mm-hmm. maybe maybe put certain people in the back if i could have two rows please Anyway, here's what happened to me while I was fighting the Kraken. I was getting my head handed to me, and in desperation, I had Nest try PSI Flash Beta, and that auto KO'd the Kraken, and wow. it was awesome. Nice! <laughs> Very good. I'm like pretty overleveled this playthrough. Ah. Uh. Not entirely intentionally, it just kind of worked out that way. Maybe a little intentionally, we'll, we'll get into it. Um, did we, did, so we beat the Kraken, right? Nice. Unless Sarah has a cool story, but mine no, is a tough it was one pretty, to follow. Well, I, I, I did try before going to the second uh, other dungeon and failed, and then went back there and came back and did oh. it again. So yeah, it is harder. I wonder if that could be part of the reason that they split it up at this point. That they give mm. you... <sighs> That's specious reasoning. Never mind. The captain is impressed that you killed the Kraken, but he reminds you that he helped out by throwing his slippers at the beast. This and... is such a good oh. character. Yeah, I love this guy. <laughs> He's amazing. <clears throat> the thing is, right after you beat the Kraken... There's a snippet of the Sailing to Scarabo music that is easy to miss because you're, you know, wiping the sweat from your brow after that tough battle. But it has like, and it's so hard to hear this music that it evaded me for years and years. I'm like, oh, that that one special little part of that song. Could I hear more of it if I beat the Kraken differently or something like hmm. that? Um, yeah. Isn't it so good? It, there's a second line, or, or a second uh, verse to the song. It's so good. Or there's a bridge. I don't know. I, I, musical uh, I term. Love, I love the little extra part of Sailing to Scaraba. And um, placing it after the battle like that is a really nifty cinematic touch. Mm-hmm. So well done. Just a great transportation segment here yeah yep we could almost rank the different transportation segments by the end of the game yeah 
I don't know if that's interesting content, but you could. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, um, then the ship arrives in Scaraba, and you're in Egypt. And just like in Egypt, the northern shore of Egypt is just a cliff of sand that boats pull up to. <laughs> and then you hop off of it, and you are in the middle of... Uh, bazaar made of clay houses and there are you know it's late enough in the game that there shouldn't still be interesting people to talk to in the towns these towns should be very bare bones like here's your shop here's your inn get going to the dungeon but no there's a bunch of weirdos here like there is everywhere else (laughs) there's a guy sitting on the top of a rope or on top of a building with a rope leading up to him who claims to know brick road or dungeon man and he's like but don't worry i have the key to get into dungeon man oh wait i lost it never mind Mm -hmm. terrible what a letdown there's a guy yeah but exciting to know that dungeon man is around here though yes yes awesome uh, people talk about the Tenda tribe. We start hearing about the yeah. Tenda tribe oh, yeah. that, li- that used to live in Scaraba, but then moved south. Because they were too innocent. Yeah, that was a bit cryptic. Indeed. There are multiple, uh, they actually split up the, what could be just two or three shops, or maybe it ends up being three different shops. There's a bunch of different shops in here so that you can have Lots of different guys telling you to buy their stuff, Mm. which is something you have to do lots of in a movie version of the Middle East. True. A lot of people trying to sell you snakes as well. Yeah, yeah, that was unexpected. I sell snakes, Um, vipers, and other snakes. Real quick, uh, look at this part of the game as if it is trying to do the movie Casablanca. Hmm. Unfortunately, there's no Rick's Cafe Eagle Indies in Scaraba. That would have been a fun detail. Actually, yes, they really should have done that. Dang it, you screwed <laughs> up. Yeah, the notion of buying snakes. I wonder if there's all that talk about buying snakes just because otherwise when Snake showed up in a shop interface you'd be like well i'm not buying a snake right yeah it is it is kind of strange to want to buy a snake (laughs) and then there's the person selling just selling a snake bag i bought the snake bag this time yeah you gotta know what it is i'm trying out poisoning enemies this playthrough if you have a snake bag you don't really need any snakes yeah it's infinite snakes in that bag (laughs) I like the snake bag. Uh, did any of you buy the picky nose? <gasps> oh, yeah. I forgot to buy the picky nose. I don't think I've ever bothered with the picky nose. And I was having too much fun playing the game to remember <laughs> that I'm supposed to be researching stuff for the podcast. Mm. So, Sarah, you had better do all the good research to make this a good podcast. Okay. okay. <laughs> a lot of pressure. <laughs> Uh, there's a poop joke there's here. Also, there's a poop joke. Oh, yeah. 
that's that's specifically in the desert a plot relevant poop joke pokey's always one step ahead of you apparently just we did we this far in the game we have not lost this humor i guess and not only have we not lost this humor but poop actual poop is depicted on the screen you are looking at poop yeah somebody in the desert says be careful where you walk a chubby kid did his business out here and you can see black dots on in the sand right next to the it's sky. just black dots yeah they could be sesame seeds for all we know <laughs> but i feel like it's going us a, a step further and being a little bit like like it's crossing a boundary, I think, Yeah. for the poop to actually be depicted on the screen. Agreed. Instead of just referred to. And this is the kind of thing where <laughs> if the ESRB people had played all the way through the game, well, if they got to uh, the Moo training, then they would have rated this for T for Teen mm. right out of the gate. And... Uh, then if they also saw this poop, they would have rated it (laughs) A-O. Probably not. It's pretty audacious. It does stick out. Yeah. Compared to the rest of the gross-out humor, which we've seen, which has been mostly, like, fart jokes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or, like, I'm in the bathroom stuff. The bathroom jokes yep. are always funny, though. Yeah, Because it's yeah. always, like, abstracted as, like, it's not about what goes on in there. It's just the concept of being yeah. in a bathroom. Right. Well, it's the joke of, we can't really show you the bathroom in this game. Mm-hmm. Like, it would be, at least for the first half of the game, you know, there's this kind of, well, it's a it's a kid's cartoon kind of thing. We can't really show you a toilet. We're going to always make an excuse that you can't go into each restroom and then as the game progresses and matures in its own sensibilities now we've entered ness is becoming an adult and he is allowed to see poop with his own eyes (laughs) Uh, and it makes you even more mad at pokey because he's done this horrible thing how dare he uh what else notes do i got uh, you can buy Molokea soup, mm. which I remember being, uh, that's a real life dish. And how is it pronounced? Oh, probably not the way I said it. I, yeah, I feel like I, just in the past few years, heard someone pronounce some the name of some soup, and I was like, oh, that must be the soup that's in Earthbound, mm-hmm. and I've been pronouncing it wrong in my head mm. for years. Uh, it's spelled many ways and probably is pronounced many ways. Yeah. Uh, but that's like a cool poll in a game that yeah. loves to have a million different foods. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool that there's like local foods in the different cities and towns. And they, you could, yeah, it's it's a pretty cool touch. Like you can decide which ones you want to keep on hand and figure out what they all do. And it's at this point like in the souvenir. game, uh, I'm I'm not like stocking a lot of food even to begin with, yeah. Because now you have two different guys that can heal with magic, right? Yeah, a lot of it is just for like to enhance your experience of these places. Yeah, we can put as many, you know, or we can put up to ten items in each <laughs> shop. Let's do that yeah. to 
tell a story with the shops. Yeah. Just like they use all the other RPG mechanics to right. tell the story. You can have the guy that just sells a snake bag. <laughs> Why yeah. not? Yes. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> um, unfortunately, there's no, like, fun people to talk to in the hospital. Mm. Like, the only joke is that it's the same hospital staff as everywhere else, but it's a rundown clay building mm. in cartoon version of Egypt. Mm-hmm. Um, the hotel, similarly, is boring looking. Is there a guy with a... Do they read the newspaper to they you? They do. And, okay. And the newspaper is called the Scarab of Papyrus, which is a good name for hmm. a newspaper. Yeah. Oh, sure. Uh, and when you stay there, he warns you to watch out for scorpions. Wow. I also appreciate how this is called the Great Southern International Resort Hotel. Yes. Oh, that's cool. And it's like the second most expensive hotel in the game. Yeah. But it's pretty modest. It's got scorpions. Terrifying. <laughs> uh, we can head out of town when we feel like we've bought enough snakes. Yeah. You get... Uh, another so there's a song that plays while you're in Scarab of the Town. Yeah, I really like then, that one. Yeah, it's good. It's good. It's classic. Yeah. Uh, but then the song changes as you go into the desert itself. Mm. Yeah. And then in a minute we're gonna get a third song. So uh, a surprising number of tracks dedicated to this chunk of the game. That's true. You might get the impression that Keiichi Suzuki likes doing a certain kind of, like, um, I forget what the name of the scale that sounds stereotypically Middle Eastern, like the diachromatic, dichromatic scale is my, maybe what it's called. Hmm. Um, but he may have had fun messing around with that, because I think that's also what you hear in Delam. Mm. The this part of the desert is interesting because it's your adventure area, you know, corresponding to I guess uh, like peaceful rest valley as a place that you go to get somewhere else, and it has some palette swap enemies. I think it's just the meaner scalpions and the meaner crested buka or mm. are they called crested bukas now instead of just regular bukas i believe they are greater they're great yeah. crested bukas and there is also the red caterpillar ah. my guy the master criminal worm is here this uh, is is that what made you so over leveled i might have <laughs> spent a little while trying to track down the master criminal worm entirely for the sport of it because similar to his cousin in the dusty dunes desert it like runs away from you and only spawns if you walk into the tile the right way and so you have to kind of figure out the proper rhythm and movement to ambush one successfully and it's kind of fun to do so i was doing that for a little bit to and ended up getting a little over leveled There, the hint man is hanging out in in front of a pyramid. Hmm. He doesn't hang out in town for some reason. 
and so if you're run if you're really stuck and so you just run up and down the town looking for the hint man then you're stuck forever hmm. and a lot of people have soft locked or hard locked the game in this way being unable to find the hintman to tell them what to do next. <laughs> and so most of the reviews that you see on Moby Games or on Game Facts are like, well, I couldn't find the hintman in Egypt, so I quit zero out of ten. Wow. It's sad, but it's true. Mm-hmm. There's also a guy selling bottled water in the middle of the desert. Uh, lucrative, I assume. Yeah. yeah. Especially when it's DX water that's $198 a bottle. Yikes. Uh, Do you know off the top of your head, does DX water do anything for Ness and Paula? Hmm. No, I don't know. I believe that both styles of water only heals like six psychic points to the Eagolandians. Wiki says one. <laughs> oh, one. And then Pooh is the only one that benefits extra from yeah. water. Because of his oath that he swore or something. Yeah. Because of his monk levels. But he also needs it the worst because he, at least when I was in the upcoming dungeon, he was the one running out of PP while the others were mm-hmm. doing fine. Yes. Then there is a sphinx, and there is time to do a puzzle. Earthbound loves to do complicated puzzles, and this part of the game is no exception. You need to read the hieroglyph copy and interpret how to step on the panels in front of the sphinx. If you can't figure it out, the hintman will tell you. Oh. What does the hitman say? I forget exactly, but it's basically exactly what to do. You just stand on the 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 switches in the same way that the hieroglyphs say to. It just is a description of what you're supposed to do. He says, after you've made all the necessary preparations, go to the pyramid. In front of the pyramid, as the writing on the hieroglyph told, step on the round stone plates in front of the sphinx and draw a star. That was really too much info to give out as a hint, wasn't it? Yes, it was. <laughs> but I can but imagine I can that see being a little tricky. To, like, when the game has not really needed you to solve a puzzle in this way at all yeah. so far. Yeah. Uh, then the, the... Does the Sphinx say anything interesting? I know he's got a line read, and the last line of it is dance in front of the Sphinx? No. Uh, no, no, it's not that. that's what it says on the hieroglyph. He calls you, uh, he says you're either thieves or warriors, and then... Or one who has come to see his majesty. There you go. You must decide what you really are. Therefore, what will you do? And that's what prompts you to draw a star. So it's like, when he asks you, what are you? You're like, uh. I'm a star. Huh. <laughs> And then and he then, says, warriors, enter now. So you are warriors. Oh, so you the star has explained that you are a warrior. Maybe there's some other symbol for thief. Yeah, that you can draw on the same. Yeah, <laughs> like a circle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I assume so. <laughs> 
And if you if you declare yourself a thief in front of the Sphinx, then he says, well, I won't let you in then. Fair, yeah. You type in, Banjo begs for plenty of eggs. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get a fresh egg. <laughs> ah. Then you go inside the pyramid and it's time for a dungeon that I don't like. First, you got to take a picture with the Sphinx. Oh, of course. This is a cool moment. You got to capture it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I took a picture of the Sphinx. I'm going inside the dungeon now. I don't like it. This is a hard dungeon. It is boring. I think part of it is that I'm underleveled, and so the enemies that seem like they should be pushovers are giving me too much trouble. Yeah, that makes sense. Because there's some cool stuff in here, and it's just really hard. But there's like yeah. enemies that are hieroglyphs that come off the wall and fight you. That's super cool. That is pretty cool. And it's not totally clear that that's going to happen because once you when you walk up to them, they're still stuck to the wall. And there's like one in the first or second room yeah. that isn't an enemy to trick you, oh. and then the other ones <laughs> yeah. start attacking you. Yeah, um, that's cool. The map is very simple. I really like how the map is laid out to look like the actual insides of pyramids, as far as I know mm-hmm. from reading books when I was a kid. Uh, that it's just a bunch of stairs, basically. Um, and there's only a couple of... Like, when you get to the central room, it becomes an issue of, well, which of these three paths is going to get me to where I go, mm. where I need to go? And that's kind of cool. But what really bugs me about this dungeon is you get to the end of the correct path. There's a boss. It's the Guardian Guardian General. General. Guardian General, who it's this is like um, Attorney General, where the adjective is actually after the noun. (laughs) And as the general guardian of everything in the... uh, dungeon he is guarding a room with a switch you hit the switch and then you walk back to the center of the dungeon and then you fall down a hole into a room where there is a hawkeye well wait a second and then there was there was a sarcophagus in that room and you're like whoa what is what's this gonna do is it gonna open or what and then you step on the switch and it moves to reveal a secret passage so you're describing it to make it more boring. It's really cool. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're not saying that the switch makes the sarcophagus move, are you? Yeah, doesn't it? Oh, no. It doesn't make the switch, the sarcophagus in the same room move. Oh, yeah, no. It makes the sarcophagus earlier on. No, you're right. That is cool. Yeah. But the re- the reason I am, I'm not trying to downplay the good, good parts of this dungeon I, I'm trying to get the whole structure out of the way because okay. my big complaint about the dungeon is that the boss appears at the halfway point, basically. Oh, uh, yeah. And so after you beat the boss and you're like, phew, I'm, I've, I've proven myself to this dungeon, you have to do basically a whole other dungeon to get out of there. Mm. Um, I kind of like it. too many fights on the way out. It's, it's a gauntlet. The game is like... It is? Mm-hmm putting it to you it's saying like no 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 you really you got to earn 
this one. This is it's, not a... It's definitely intentional. Mm-hmm. And I can see the kind of, like, Indiana Jones arc of, well, you're successful, sure, but now you have to escape as well. Yeah. It, and they could only do that in a, a non-sanctuary dungeon. Because if there's been yeah. a sanctuary dungeon, you could have just escaped all the enemies on your way out. So, hmm. Or they could have made this the one sanctuary dungeon where the enemies don't care that you beat their boss. Oh, that'd be scary. Hmm. Yeah. But hmm. it would. this way is better. But I still don't like it. But I understand what they were trying to do. And I respect them for it. There's another cool thing about this dungeon, which is the boxes, the the caskets that you open that have presents, the, the presents uh, shaped like caskets. Um, mm-hmm. And when you open them, it says, ta-da! <laughs> I think that's good. Because sometimes it says, ta-da, it's a viper. And, um, or whatever it is. It's just sort of dramatic. That's cool. Yeah. And there's an item drop here called the Pharaoh's Curse. That's really what cool. What is that? What does it look like? What is it? There's all these uh, cool stuff in here. <laughs> I don't love this dungeon, but there are a lot of interesting things in it. Uh, did you look at... I, I never bothered to like get the help text for Pharaoh's Curse. You want to find out oh, what it says? yeah. What does it say? An ectoplasmic ooze is disgorged out of the dreadful box, and the enemy may be poisoned. Oh, my god. There's... Just a lot of... The, the game is giving a lot of weird battle items all of a sudden. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Without real any reason, because it's not like you need them. The game has ceased to care about game balance. It's yeah. just kitchen sinking it. Yeah. It Truly. Yep. At this point, <laughs> they were like, hey, we can just... What, what if we just add a bunch of battle items right now? I'm thinking about battle items today. Let's just do that. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. We, we talked a little bit about how Scaraba, the town, is this like fully formed and like fully filled out area in a way that other RPGs of its vintage would not do. But almost feels like maybe they, the trade-off there is that they gave up on some of the battle mechanical complexity and then just redoubled their efforts on putting cool characters and funny jokes in yeah i think it's it's really more an issue of um seeing the battle mechanic realm seeing that whole side of the game as a chance to put in more cool things and And it is cool yeah Mm -hmm. it is cool It, it, it just like trying to um make it all uh like work as like a system where there's balance and you have a reason to use everything (laughs) Um, Hmm. is very difficult to do when you get this late into a game Um, because it's, it's much easier to test and kind of puzzle out what the player is thinking for the stuff earlier on. Hmm. When you get this far in, I mean like it takes so much work to kind of know how this is going to be received based on everything that comes toward it. So I can see it being uh, less, of, much less of a priority to know that it works and more of it being just like, well, we can do whatever we want. Let's do whatever we want. Yeah. Well, we can beat and escape. We Let's do it. Face the final boss gauntlet or gauntlet of enemies. It's not bosses. 
and we can emerge to the sands of Scaraba again. Yeah, we actually went underneath the river while we are in that dungeon, and now we're on the other side of the river. And uh, that means we're kind of like, we're not exactly stuck over here, but if we happen to teleport away to get back here, we're going to have to go through that whole dungeon again, and I don't want to do that. Yeah, it sounds like a nightmare. I'm just going to leave that piggy nose back in (laughs) North Scaraba. I'm not going back for it. Yeah, you can't go back. You just can't go back. Nope. And there's this very obvious funnel outside the exit to the pyramid to make sure that I don't miss any plot on my way out. Mm. The Star Master reappears. Cool. And he has a message for Pooh. He tells Pooh, you got to come with me and learn this technique. Is this where he says there is only one answer? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's time for me to show you the way of this star storm. For a while, you must live far away from your friends and live with me. Do you understand? There's only one answer. I must stop you here, even if you don't want to. Stay with me for a while. Do you understand? And Pooh says, I have to... I. I it's not next to that... Uh, techni- it's not next to this in the uh, text dump, but Pooh basically agrees... And says, this will be really useful to us. Don't worry, I'll come back and uh, it'll help our efforts. And then Star Master kind of rebuts him. He says, it depends on Pooh's efforts. <laughs> it's not a sure thing. We'll see. You're going to have to actually do a good job. That will determine the reuniting of the group. Be faithful and wait until the time comes. And then he's gone. Whoa. And he's gone. Surprising. So now we're a, a person down. Yeah, after that tough place. Uh, Starmaster did heal you, though, so that's at least oh, yeah. a consolation prize. Oh, yeah, prize, thank which goodness. Which is great, because I walked out of this area and immediately got jumped by, like, six UFOs. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of UFOs the on the other side of the desert. enemy spawns here are bonkers. Yeah, it's a weird place. By the way, and after tra- that happens, if, uh, if Pooh had the Hawkeye, Tracy will call you and make sure that you know she's storing it for you. Yep. I specifically gave the Hawkeye to Pooh so I could find out what happens, even though I think we said on an earlier episode that this is what would happen. Mm. I just wanted to see it with my own eyes. Yeah. Well, we should probably keep heading south, right? Yeah. Too bad. Duh. There's nothing oh. there. Yeah. <laughs> just kind of like a little peninsula surrounded by water uh, with nobody around. Nothing to see. Nothing to do. Okay. Well, that's not going to work. Well, let's go back to the Hitman. We can't go back to the Hitman. He's on the other side of the river. Oh, then the game is locked. We're, we died. Maybe this end. Maybe this guard can give us a hint. Uh, there's like a weird guard just kind of chilling out here uh, who's like, I found a key. Are you calling him a guard because he has a spear? Yes. Mm. I think okay. he has a name. Wiki bound where you at? I think he has a spear because he's a bushman and, you know, he's in the middle of hunting down a criminal caterpillar to (laughs) roast over a fire. I think this guy gets a name in the credits. Wow. 
uh, but I have no idea oh. how other than to scour the credits to find out what this guy's name is. Okay. Well, he is pretty important because he found the key. Yes. He found the key to the tower to the northwest. Maybe it shall open the tower. Uh, what does he say? I'm not sure if it was the dungeon man, but there's a strange looking <laughs> tower to the northwest. This key I picked up a little while ago shall maybe open the tower. You may have it. I do not need it. And he gives you the key to the tower. Now, this and I think one other place, um, the the bad key machine will not work. Oh. On the, I didn't test this myself, hmm. um, but I like read up on it because hmm. I, I said at the time, well, now the game can't do any more puzzles where you need keys. Yeah. Well, it can. There are just places where... <laughs> Huh. They refuse to, the bad key machine doesn't work. And here, you know, I can definitely imagine that the uh, the lock on the door to the inside of Dungeon Man, whatever that is, I can imagine that the bad key machine isn't equipped for a giant stone door where the key is, you know, six inches in diameter or mm. something. What I think is interesting about this key is it's described as an old key. So it may have existed for a long time. Hmm. What does that mean? Hmm. Like we d- I just wonder what that means considering what it opens. Ah, oh, well, let's walk up to the thing that it opens. Yeah. We walk across the desert fighting a lot of high-class UFOs and military <laughs> octobots, octobots. Yep. They're military octobots here, right? And um, then we see, or maybe they're marauder. They're marauder octobots. octobots. That's really cool. <laughs> That's so cool. <laughs> and we see this tower with like a doofy face on it, and a lot of pixels at the top. That when we look at the concept art, we will realize that those pixels at the top are like a village. Or a castle mm. city on top of this dude's head. So cool. Yeah. And when we use the key and we walk inside, we will find out what this is. 